Now, personally, I love the wisdom that sits inside the title for today's episode. A good night's sleep starts in the morning. It's kind of counterintuitive, but still really makes sense when we think about it. And it feels to me like it's wisdom that we can apply to so many things. Everything begins far earlier than we realise. Welcome to the Henny Flynn podcast, the podcast that's all about deepening our self-awareness with profound self-compassion. I'm Henny. I write, coach and speak about how exploring our inner world can transform how we experience our outer world, all founded on a bedrock of self-love. Settle in and listen and see where the episode takes you. Here's a slightly alarming statistic. 40 to 60% of women will struggle with sleep during menopause. This statistic is something we shared in a piece of work I'm currently collaborating on. It's part of the corporate work I do, delivering a whole range of menopause support into organisations. And in this instance, it's a company that's chosen menopause as a key well-being focal point for this year. Now, I've seen many times in my previous incarnations as an HR director and when I led brand strategies in big organisations, that there's always a challenge with this kind of strategic intent. And it may well be founded on a sound desire to support employees, but for many reasons it ends up just brushing the surface of what's needed. This time, however, I'm really happy to say that the people we've been working with really want to make a difference for their teams, and it is a joy supporting them in doing that. Now, one of the areas of our focus has been sleep, because as that statistic shows us, sleep is a major factor for so many women in perimenopause, and it can be an ongoing factor throughout menopause and beyond. However, sleep can obviously also be something that challenges us all, regardless of our age, our gender or our life stage. And with these warmer nights of summer, it feels like maybe it's a good thing to spend a little bit of time exploring this subject and what can help us. Now, personally, I love the wisdom that sits inside the title for today's episode. A good night's sleep starts in the morning. It's kind of counterintuitive, but still really makes sense when we think about it. And it feels to me like it's wisdom that we can apply to so many things. Everything begins far earlier than we realise. I often reflect that changes we make in our lives have been happening far longer than we might realise. You know, that deep subconscious reshaping of what we believe it's possible to change begins way, way, way before we have the conscious thought that something needs to change and way, way, way before we actually put that change into practice. And in the same way, when we shift our attention for a good night's sleep onto the moment we wake, we begin to help ease some of the tension that we might notice can build up just before sleep 
especially if we're assuming or predicting that sleep isn't going to come. So lots of things can impact our sleep, but struggling with it has got a lot to do with our hormones. And this is, of course, amplified as we move into perimenopause, when progesterone, our calming hormone, begins to decline. This can have a direct impact on the quality of our sleep. Meanwhile, oestrogen levels are fluctuating, which can cause hot flushes and night sweats, which also lead to interrupted sleep. But hormones also play a part for all of us, regardless of menopause, as lack of sleep can then stress the body and make us feel anxious, increasing cortisol, which further prevents you from sleeping. And so it can become this vicious cycle that for many of us, we're really familiar with. And interestingly, poor sleep impacts our hunger hormone, ghrelin too, which is why we might crave, you know, the sort of carb-heavy or sugar-laden food. Um, And also being dehydrated impacts our hormones as well. So in this instance, cortisol, which wakes you up when it gets stimulated. So we know that sleep is a foundational pillar for health. Without it, we're more likely to feel anxious, overwhelmed and low. And we know that lack of sleep impacts our physical well-being overall too. And in season four, episode uh, five, I think it was, I interviewed one of the UK's top sleep experts, Dr. Kat Laderley, who shared that one of the most important reframes to make that can help us with sleep is to remember that it's not about thinking, I must get to sleep. It's about working out, how can I feel more rested? I really love the way that Kat phrases this. And surprise, surprise, one of the most overlooked things that we can do to support ourselves is to treat ourselves with compassion. You know, compassion is really like redolent in that phrase, how can I feel more rested? Whereas judgment is in, I must get to sleep. So part of that compassion is understanding how common it is to have challenges with sleep. As that first statistic I shared shows us, it's half of all women in menopause. So if that includes you, by the way, you may want to explore the amazing resources offered by Kat. Um, And also Kat is one of the experts within the Empowder community as well. So you don't need to be taking the Empowder menopause supplements to benefit from the incredible wealth of expertise and support they've gathered in over the past few years. And um, and like I say, Dr. Kat is one of their uh, experts. So you can also um, find her work online, just search her up. I'll put a link actually in the notes. Anyway, when we were sharing about this topic, Um, with this company that I mentioned right at the beginning, it reminded me about the importance of our circadian rhythm, which is our sleep-wake pattern over the course of a 24-hour day. And your circadian rhythm helps control your daily schedule for sleep and wakefulness. It's influenced by light and dark, as well as other factors. 
And what happens is your brain receives signals based on your environment and then it activates certain hormones, alters your body temperature, regulates your metabolism to keep you alert or draw you gently towards sleep. So when things in your internal or external environment are out of balance, this can affect your circadian rhythm. Um, there is masses online if you're curious to find out more about the science here. But it just reminded me when Rebecca and I were, were doing this, this piece of work for this organisation I mentioned, how important recognising our circadian rhythm can be. And I know in the interview that I did with Kat, she really helped me understand what was going on with my circadian rhythm. And that was very useful. So understanding when you're most awake, most alert, most tired, most sleepy is really helpful in creating these new healthier habits so you can rest more fully and that can help with settling the hormonal imbalances too. So a handful of things that I've found personally really useful and that I see also help clients create a more restful night are firstly to have a calming bedtime routine. So going to bed before you're so tired that you're dropping off to sleep, you know, or kind of falling asleep on the sofa, for example, you know, aim to be in bed for eight hours a night and keep those hours regular. Uh, for me, I always listen to the same piece of relaxing music every night. Well, I mean, I, I actually, I say it, I always li listen to the same piece. I tend to have several months where I'll always listen to the same piece and then something about it will bore me or I'll decide I just want to listen to something else and then I'll choose another piece. I do it because I see it as activating a Pavlovian response that helps tell my body it's time to rest. And when sleep has been really tricky, I'll scatter essential oils like geranium, lavender, or vetiver, which actually I don't use myself, but I know is a really good one. Um, all three of those are really calming and soothing. And the other thing I find curious is how incredibly helpful it is to make where you sleep a lovely place to be. I mean, I suppose it's not really that surprising, is it? You know, when we're in a restful space, we're more liable to rest. So having a tidy room might sound a bit ridiculous but actually notice the difference it makes to how you feel about the space and actually I'd take it one step further if you can have a clear room it's not just about it being tidy but you know this sort of sense of having a kind of spacious space. Um, I also love the deliciously old-fashioned practice of an Epsom salt bath before bed. I resisted the idea of this for a really long time wondering how on earth that could help with anything but of course epsom salts are rich in magnesium sulfate which is a known muscle relaxant you know a brilliant thing after a run or something actually um, but also it's brilliant for helping prepare our body for rest and then the other two things I find immensely useful are yoga nidra and journaling. And if you're familiar with the podcast, neither of those will be that big a surprise to you. You know, if my mind is busy worrying at something that's going on, it could be something that's external to me or an old something within me that's decided it needs to surface. Then I'll use a journal to note down what's going through my head without slipping into self-judgment, just noticing what's going on. 
so I don't take it all to sleep with me. And it doesn't mean that it won't exist anymore or that I don't need to do more with it. It simply means that in that moment, I can tell my brain it's okay, I've captured it for now and and my brain doesn't need to be holding on to it all. I can then also ask my subconscious to deal with it for me. And there's this, this lovely quote from Thomas Edison who once said, never go to sleep without a request to your subconscious. And I really love that, especially when I actually remember to do it when I'm going to bed. And in fact, even just telling you here, it's a lovely reminder to never go to sleep without a request to your subconscious. So great for problem solving. Um, And one of the things that I found really useful in my conversation with Dr. Cat was if you wake in the night to stay in bed, if you can. So she says to leave the lights off, uh, resist the temptation to look at your phone or to read a book because that stimulates cortisol and it will wake you up, which further disrupts your circadian rhythm. And that one simple change feels like it really helped me. If you listen to the episode that I mentioned earlier, you'll hear that sleep was pretty challenging at the time that I spoke to Kat and had been challenging for quite a while. So, um, yeah, so that was really helpful to me at the time. Now, I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this episode, the adage that a good night's sleep begins in the morning. And something I've been working on recently is to get some natural sunlight each morning. And this is really important to rebalance our circadian rhythm and tell our bodies it's time to wake, which in turn helps our bodies know when it's time to sleep at the end of the day. And and I'm really curious as well about how different herbs and foods can help us with sleep too. So Rebecca Brown, who's the founder of Empowder, she talks of how the herb ashwagandha has got a growing body of research pointing to its potential to support us in sleep. So if you're curious about that, that could be something else that's worth exploring. And lastly, two big things that can really help us get better rest are gentle exercise, which helps build sleep pressure, which essentially means making your body tired enough to seek rest. And then the other one is avoiding alcohol. And you might already know that I stopped drinking alcohol completely a few years ago. Uh, You know, that's a whole other subject, but it's a decision that I've never regretted. And I think it's probably a big part of why my sleep is more consistent these days. So I still sleep relatively lightly, but I feel as though I'm not on such high red alert these days, unless obviously something specific is going on in my life and then then it will, um, you know, it can trigger some of those old behaviours. But weirdly, alcohol might seem it helps at first, but your liver is working really hard to detoxify when you drink. So this can then interrupt sleep, meaning you wake in the night, you know, that kind of sense of the full storm. I certainly remember that from from when I did used to drink alcohol. 
Um, and the other thing, of course, alcohol does is that it can cause dehydration or low blood sugar, which can also mean you're more likely to have interrupted sleep. Now, I know when I've struggled with sleep, one of the hardest things has been that awful catastrophizing thing that we can do, thinking we'll never get to sleep and we won't ever be able to cope the next day. But by beginning from a place of compassion, we can see that there could be a range of practices tools and techniques that could support us in creating a greater sense of balance across the whole system. So it's helpful to try a few different things and then to really just see what's realistic for you to introduce into your own routine and then gradually layer up simple changes. Always remembering to treat yourself kindly as you go. So I hope, I hope that little sort of sharing of different tools and techniques was useful for you. And I just wonder, is there one that stood out for you? Um, it might be that something stood out as a, oh God, no, I would never do that. Or something stood out as, mm, that's interesting, maybe that's something I could have a go at. You know, I sincerely hope that you find sleep and deep rest easy to access. But if there are moments when it's not so easy or it feels a little bit harder to get that, that good rest, how can I rest better, um, that Kat says, um, then, you know, remember this episode, return to it, maybe explore Dr. Kat's work, explore some of the stuff on the Empowder site. Um, and maybe have a look into your circadian rhythm as I mentioned before so that's it my darlings and on these summer evenings I wish you a beautiful night's sleep and I send you a hug and a wave